Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DeFi Talks, the podcast where we talk about everything tech and Web3. I am Sharif, your host, and today I have with me a very special guest, Matt from Splinterlands. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Um, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things, and I wanted to start with Splinterlands because I see that you've had this passion for this company for eight years now. Is that correct? The company started four years ago. Four years ago. Okay. So what prompted you to go on this journey and start like delving into GameFi specifically? Uh, yeah, for me it was simple. I'm I'm a big uh, Magic the Gathering player and Hearthstone player and just gamer in general. So I've been a gamer my whole life. Um, I learned computer programming because I wanted to make my own games, and then I worked for traditional game companies, you know, for a long time. Um, in the past, I've always like tried to make my own games on the side. Like I made my own Facebook game when that was when that was a thing, and you know, I, I never had the like the funds really to to make it anything big. Um, so then, uh, one thing, you know, there, there was a, a few things I ran into that a lot of people do is like when I played Magic the Gathering when I was a kid, um, you actually got physical cards, they were collectibles, so I still, I still collect those, and I still have a lot from when I was, was a kid, and there's all these like, you know, stores for trading cards and doing all these things, and all that was completely lost when games went digital. So I really enjoyed digital games, and I, you know, spent a lot of money in them. But all that money was sort of, it was just paying for entertainment. Um, you didn't actually get anything that, that you owned or that was a collectible or that you could sell or trade or any, any of that. So um, in 2017, you know, when Ethereum kind of became bigger and I first learned about NFTs, I just immediately thought it would be awesome if you could have a digital game, but also have these collectibles that you own uh, and that you can buy or sell. When I first started getting into NFTs specifically, because I was using crypto for a while, but it took me it took me a couple of weeks or months to get what like an NFT is supposed to do. I always thought it was like not a good thing because you know the the media kind of stories that I've heard. Um, but it was always very complicated for me. Uh, and one of the only explanations that ever made sense was when people said, it's like having a Pokemon card, right? Like, there's no inherent value in the card, maybe besides the cost of making it. But some cards can be $100, some cards can be $200, and it's all about what, like, how the fans, like, what they're willing to pay and what, because it's their economy, even if it's just, like, you know, it's made by Pokemon or Konami or Magic the Gathering, it's still, like, a player's economy. So... I wanted to ask a more directed question. How do you build a fan base uh, on such as like like two very niche um, topics? No offense, because like not a lot of people know how to use the blockchain, and also not a lot of people know the value of trading cards. So how did you manage to get that? Um, yeah, it's it's somewhat niche, but it's also somewhat not. Um in the sense that, like, it's not just trading card games, really, really any type of games, and uh, obviously the the gamer community, like, games is just a huge business. Uh, tons and tons of people are into gaming, especially um, as, you know, the younger populations grow up. They've, like, been born and raised with games. Like, most of our parents' generations, not really gamers, but most of our generation are, are certainly, like, my son and the kids' Now there's just like it's all about games, so gaming's a huge population. Um, but the the NFT and the crypto thing is more the the new niche thing. Um, 
But so initially, my thought was like, well, one of the things is that pretty much um, most of the people who are in crypto and, and into this stuff were also gamers. Like, there's a huge overlap between those communities. That's true. Um, and I, I just really look at it. It's, it's all like what we're building is not like what I think is going to be the biggest business or make the most money. It's really just like what I personally want. So in 2017, when I learned about this stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be so cool. Like if this game existed, I would put probably an irresponsible amount of money into it, right? And there's, and then I figured, well, there's probably other people like me. Um, you know, a lot of people have done very well thanks to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency also. So they, you know, there's also a lot of money potentially available in this space. Um, so that's, that's really what it was. I just figured like if I thought this was awesome and really liked it, there was going to be a lot of people like me who would really like it. Um, and yeah, I guess it's small in the scheme of things right now, um, but I really believe that this is just going to be the future of gaming because eventually, if you have two games that are otherwise equal, but one, when you put money in, you actually get assets that you own and you can resell them later, and the other you can't, like you're, everyone's going to pick uh, the, the first one. So, you know, it, it'll grow over time. I agree with you. One of the feelings that I loved the most as a child was going to GameStop and buying a CD of a game, like, because we would buy the used ones. And it, it felt like such a special moment having that physical copy. And it also gave me the ability to sell it back later, which provided me with value upon value. I think that was slowly being stripped away from people. Like, everything became digital and also the digital items that you buy from Nintendo or from PlayStation, they don't own, you don't, they don't belong to you. They could be turned off. And that's one of the biggest criticisms of our traditional system. Uh, it's really inspiring to see somebody trying to bring um, more people like into the know, you know, educating people through uh, such a, it's a good user experience. It's very hard to capture a good user experience in crypto. A lot of things are complicated and you achieve simplicity. What's at the core of that simplicity? How do you achieve that? Uh, well, that's been the hardest thing and it still is the hardest thing. Um, so that's why you know our game is built on the Hive blockchain, which is an unusual choice, right? Um, especially even when we launched in 2018, uh, really Ethereum was the only other option at the time. But our, our goal is not like, oh, how can we just throw something out there and get a bunch of money from crypto whales? Our goal is to create actually an awesome game and an awesome experience for the general gamer population. So we had to find different solutions. And Hive itself, um, you know, was originally created sort of as a blockchain-based Reddit. So it's like Web3 before Web3 was a thing. So its focus was on how do we make a good user experience. Um, and it just has a lot of better features. I mean, there's there's the like the lack of transaction fees and fast transactions, but a lot of blockchains have that these days. Um, there's also different types of like account recovery options and different keys with different permissions and things that make it um, easier for people to hold their own keys and own their assets, but also still be protected from hacks or losing their keys or other things like that. So, um, you know, we, we've had to go the non-traditional route, I guess, which also hurts us a little because we don't, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's not on Ethereum or it's not on Solana. So they don't, you know, we don't get as much hype, I guess. Uh, but ultimately, I think in the long run, it's going to work out for us because we'll be able to, to be one of the only experiences that work for like non-crypto people. So um, after I've learned about your pro project, which was maybe six months ago, I went on the website because you, you always handed around the cards. Um, and I still keep all of the cards because they're really beautiful. I like the art and I think it's such a unique way to present yourself. 
Um, after you, like, I met you, I went into your website, I checked how everything works, and it seems like it, it does take a lot of time and effort into making things simple for gamers, for people that are maybe younger, that don't have as much experience in these really technical things. So I wanted to step a little bit outside of that um, in terms of how do you keep up with the work? Because I know it's a lot. Like, in, How do you keep up with the work? Uh, well, mainly we've had to hire a lot of people. So um, it was we went we had a very small team for the first few years, and then last year, I mean, things really just blew up uh, in, in the gaming space in general and for Splinterlands. So we kind of had to really rush to bring in a lot of other people um, because we just we just couldn't handle things as a small team. So uh, luckily, and a lot of the people that we brought in were actually Splinterlands players or people from our community who just really like the game and the product, and they're like, hey, I'm a, I'm a computer programmer, or I'm an artist, or I'm a marketer, or whatever. So they, that was like the number one way. We just like went to our community and said, hey, who can, who can be a part of this? Um, so we got a lot of people that way, and then we hired people, you know, friends or, or the traditional way. And w one of the cool things is also that, like, through cryptocurrency, we're able to easily hire people anywhere in the world, and we just pay them in crypto. I don't even know how we would do that. I mean, I guess you'd have to pay, like, you know, very expensive payroll provider services and deal with all the different currencies and transaction, you know. Uh. At the beginning of the event, uh, I was listening to your talk, and uh, you detailed, like, the importance of Bitcoin, and I feel like that was a topic that you really resonated with and maybe you've had a lot of history with. Um, I know you already said, like, how you got into it uh, on the panel, which people see in the, in the videos. Um, but could you tell us, like, a little bit more about your personal experience with Bitcoin, how you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, Bitcoin, uh, it, it really changed my life. I feel like it made all of everything I'm doing now possible. And, like, you know, I wouldn't have imagined anything that's going on now, like, five or six, seven years ago. Um, that's all because of Bitcoin. Um and I think people, especially like just in the U.S., don't really understand the implications of it. So, I mean, I just learned about it because I'm like a tech nerd and I read tech things like back in 2012. And I was like, this is cool. And I played around with mining it. And then, you know, things happened in my life and I forgot about it for, for a while. And I, I didn't understand anything about it. Um, but then as it grew and it got more popular around the 2017 time frame, I was like, well, let me take some more time to really learn about this and, and what's going on. Um and, and you come to realize, like, how important this is for the world. And, I, you know, I didn't know anything about money or the Federal Reserve or the financial system or anything about that. I had no need to, to, to learn about it. But once you get involved in Bitcoin, like, that's what Bitcoin's all about. That's why it exists. That's why it was created. That's what it's for, uh, is to fix the problems with, with the financial system and money in the world. So you get into it just because it's interesting or you think it's a good investment. And you just start to learn about all these things. And then um, once, once you realize how things work, you realize how oh, totally messed up it is and how really bad it is. And I, I think we are shielded from it a lot in the United States um, and, and certain like first world countries. Uh, but that's starting to be, you know, we're starting to be less and less shielded from it. But also like, this is a real big problem. Like the way money works, the way financial system works, the way governments control things through money is like, is a huge problem for people uh, all over the world. Um, and even though it's not for me as a, as a US citizen right now, um, I can appreciate 
how important it is and how revolutionary it is. And I can also appreciate that, like, just because things are pretty good in the U.S. now does not mean that they're always going to be that way. And just for the first time in history, having this, like, kind of new way, new way out of that system is just so important. I, I, it's hard for me to even communicate uh, I mean, communicate you've, been, you've been really expressing yourself well. Uh, I've learned a lot through this conversation, and I've also had a lot of the things that I was thinking uh, reaffirmed to me. Because uh, the truth is, is that a lot of developers, a lot of technical people, they work jobs that kind of are in the regular traditional system, and so they don't have um, they don't have like on hands experience with all of this. And if they do, it's usually to speculate, right? Um, I see that you've pretty much built an empire on what you love and you've done that through a lot of your own personal hard work. Is there any advice you could give to people in tech or just people that are working in general? Like how, how, how would somebody who wants to do something that they love make it? Yeah, I mean, so that that's what like kind of started this for me. I always felt like I was really just like stuck in the usual grind or rat race, and it's like it's hard to get ahead, even if you like get promotions and raises and things. Like you never really get ahead, and it's hard to you know you hear about just like putting money in the stock market and, and compounding returns, but it never really worked very well. So my my advice and the thing that helped me was that learning, like. You have to learn, like money is super important for everyone and, and our society and how it functions. So it doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be in finance. Like money is super important and you have to learn how it works, why 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 the dollar is money, why it's the, you know, the global reserve currency, what are other kinds of money, you know, how finance works, what's happening with government and the Federal Reserve and all these things. And it's, so I don't, I don't have like specific advice. Each person is different for what they want to do and how they want to do it. But I feel like you're going to be sort of hamstrung if you don't understand how the system you're living in works. So the, the better you understand it, the better chance you're going to have to just be successful in it in whatever way you want. Uh, as a developer, I feel like a lot of the times I'm interacting with black boxes where I have no clue what's going on behind the scenes. I don't like feeling like that because it's, first of all, it's a, it's a sign of my weakness and ignorance and I like to overcome that and I try my best to, well, it's, it's never perfect. Or it's a sign that something's being hidden from you on purpose. Yes, especially when it's like consistent over de decades and decades. And, um, first, I'm cognizant of your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I would like to have you on in the future and discuss things at more length. Um, I just would maybe like to ask one last question if you have the time. Yeah, no, we, we can go. Yeah. Okay. So if you take a look into the future in terms of gaming and crypto and maybe the metaverse, how do you see these things tying in together later on? Um, I, I just think it's like it's the future of things and it's not all that different than like how things have been historically it's just the digital versions of them right so i mean historically everything was physical so you inherently had ownership right you inherently had control of things because they you like actually held the thing right um but when when like the first part of the digital transformation we didn't know how to do digital ownership. It wasn't really possible. So everything digital, including money, um, had to be controlled by some like bank or some service that just kept track of everything. And then they had full control over everything. Um, 
So obviously that that is a problem for for many reasons that like we've just been talking about. But so that with with Bitcoin and the, the invention of the blockchain and and um, digital assets, right? Like true digital assets that you can hold, it just gives all the same properties that physical assets had now to digital assets. So you can actually own them and hold them yourself. There's no like there doesn't need to be any third party that has to manage it and keep track of it or that can control it. Um, so to me, obviously, everything is moving digital. Like that's just the future. That's just where things are. It's, there's tons of advantages for digital. But now, like blockchain, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, are just like the right way to do digital assets and digital money, so that you keep you know actual like sovereign ownership of things. So that that to me is like I think everything's going to keep going sort of as it's going everything's going to transform digital you know younger generations are much more comfortable with digital experiences everything's about about digital i mean i think there's you know still obviously going to be a lot of in you know physical in person things but um you know vr technology you know virtual meetings virtual spaces virtual stuff is all going to happen and then just blockchain nfts and cryptocurrencies are the the ownership layer of that I think one of the highlights of the last 10 years for me was going and actually learning about this stuff because the the, the longer I look into it, the more I understand the values that it's built on, a system that's completely transparent where anybody can see what anybody else does, a system that allows you to transact pretty much at the speed of light, a system that will pretty much let anybody do anything and and that's how it should be because money is a human right you need to be able to spend money you need to be able to transact with other people and we finally built the systems and infrastructure that reflects what we need in the 21st century so thank you for building on the space thank you again for taking your time um, this was episode 11 of DeFi talks if you guys like this please like and comment uh, this was my guest Matt Rosen He's the owner or founder of Splinterlands. Please give them uh, a try or just look at what they're doing because it's really inspirational. All right, everybody. Bye.